Good afternoon. This is Caleb Arnold with the Walk with God podcast and YouTube channel. Thank you for joining me for this recording of May 21st, 2020, Thursday. We're going to be reading from Psalm 118. We're going to read from 1 Samuel verses chapters 29 through 31, then Proverbs chapter 15 verses 24 through 26, and John chapter 11 verse 55 through chapter 12 verse 19. Before we get started, let's open in a word of prayer though. Heavenly Father, please bless this time that we have together. Please help us to study well your word and grow according to it. Help our country, I pray, to recover from this economic and this viral and health problem and crisis that was going on. Lord, please open up the doors of the businesses, of the churches, of our communities again. Please protect us and keep our country safe and healthy and strong. Please rid this country and this world of this virus, I pray, Lord, and help us to spread your gospel. Uh, I know we've used a lot of new means this time uh, to reach people and to help them to see your will and your word. Please put a hunger in the hearts of people for your word, for your truth about what is going on, your truth about how you want them to be saved and to come to you. Lord, I pray that you would put that hunger and revive it in the heart of every person in America and all over the world. Please send laborers into your harvest to spread that word and your gospel, and please revive us again. Help us to come back into the churches, to open up the doors, and to spread your gospel, and to praise and worship you for your everlasting mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your truth, for your goodness, for your wisdom, and for your love. In Jesus' name I pray. And please heal those that are hurting, Lord, that are hurting from cancer or this virus or any other health problem or any other hurt or mourning or grief that they're going through now. We pray that it would be the with the Lacombe family right now, especially, Lord, uh, as uh, they are mourning and grieving over the loss of their mother. Please be with them, Father, and comfort them in their need, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, now Psalm 118 is where we're starting today. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, because his mercy endureth forever. Let Israel now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let the house of Aaron now say that his mercy endureth forever. Let them that now that fear the Lord say that his mercy endureth forever. I called upon the Lord in distress. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do unto me? The Lord taketh my part with them that help me. Therefore shall I see my desire upon them that hate me. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. It is, to be, it is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes. All nations come me about, but in the name of the Lord will I destroy them. They compassed me about, yea, they compassed me about, but in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. They compassed me about like bees, they are quenched as the fire of thorns, for in the name of the Lord I will destroy them. Thou hast thrust sore at me, that I might fall, but the Lord helped me. The Lord is my strength and song, and is become my salvation. The voice of rejoicing and salvation is in the tabernacles of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. The right hand of the Lord is exalted. The right hand of the Lord doeth valiantly. I shall not die, but live, and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord hath chastened me sore, but he hath not given me over unto death. The first half, Psalm 118 here, we see that the 
the Lord is good and his mercy is endureth forever and that he is worthy to be praised for all of his goodness and how he listens to the call of his people, of those that love him in their distress, that he listens to them, that and it is better to trust in the Lord than to trust in anything of this world, either princes or in man or in anything else, in uh, the horses of battle or in the strong shields or strong walls or strong towers, they are nothing compared to the Lord. And even when all nations would compass one of uh, the believers about, what the psalmist, when he is writing about these times, they trusted in the Lord, and the Lord delivered them. The Lord destroyed their enemies. For in the name of the Lord, I will destroy them, is repeated three different times. The Lord gives them into the hands of the enemies. The Lord is the strength and is the song and is become the salvation, the psalmist is saying in verse 14. Just as the Lord is our salvation, if we trust in him, the right hand of the Lord is exalted. God's arm is not short or slack. It is strong strong and mighty and can and does save those that call upon him and trust in him. The Lord chastens those that he loves. He chastens his children. He corrects them. But that chastening is for them to learn not to destroy them, as verse 18 says. Now please turn with me to 1 Samuel. We're going to read from chapters 29 through 31. Now the Philistines gathered together all their armies to Aphek, and the Israelites pitched by a fountain which is in Jezreel. And the lords of the Philistines passed on by hundreds and by thousands, but David and his men passed on in the rearward with Achish. Then said the princes of the Philistines, What do these Hebrews hear? And Achish said unto the princes of the Philistines, Is not this David, the servant of Saul, the king of Israel, which hath been with me these days or these years, and I have found no fault in him, since he fell unto me unto this day? And the princes of the Philistines were wroth with him. And the princes of the Philistines said unto him, Make this fellow return, that he may go again to his place, which thou hast appointed to him, and let him not go down with us to battle, lest in the battle he be an adversary to us. For wherewith should he reconcile himself unto his master? Should it not be with the heads of these men? Is not this David, of whom they sang one to another in dances, saying, Saul slew his thousands, and David his ten thousands? Then Achish called David, and said unto him, Surely, as the Lord liveth, thou hast been upright, and thy going out, and thy coming in with me, and the host is good in my sight, for I have not found evil in thee since the day of thy coming unto me unto this day. Nevertheless, the Lord's favor thee not. Wherefore now return, and go in peace, that thou displease not the lords of the Philistines. And David said unto Achish, But what have I done, and what hast thou found in thy servant so long as I have been with thee unto this day, that I may not go fight against the enemies of my lord the king? And Achish answered and said to David, I know that thou art good in my sight, as an angel of God, notwithstanding the princes of the Philistines have said, He shall not go up with us to the battle. Wherefore, now rise up early in the morning with thy master's servants that are come with thee, and as soon as ye be up early in the morning and have light, depart. So David and his men rose up early to depart in the morning to return into the land of the Philistines, and the Philistines went up to Jezreel. Chapter 30 And it came to pass, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziklag, and smitten Ziklag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away, and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives, and their sons, and their daughters were taken captives. 
Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept, until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the six hundred men that were with him, and came to the brook Bezor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, he and the four hundred men for two hundred abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the book Bezor. And they found an Egyptian in the field, and brought him to David, and gave him bread, and he did eat, and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs, and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou, and whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me, because three days agone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah, and upon the south of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. And David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God, that thou wilt neither kill me, nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines, and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day, and there escaped not a man of them, save four hundred young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. And there was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those other cattle, and said, This is David's spoil. And David came to the two hundred men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Bezor. And they went forth to meet David, and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. Then answered all the wicked men, and men of Belial, of those that went with David, and said, Because they went not with us, we will not give them aught of the spoil that we have recovered, save to every man his wife and his children, that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, Ye shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us, and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. For who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. And it was so from that day forward that he made it a statute and an ordinance for Israel unto this day. And when David came to Ziklag, he sent of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, 
Behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord, to them which were in Bethel, and to them which were in South Ramoth, and to them which were in Jatir, and to them which were in Aruer, and to them which were in Siphmoth, and to them which were in Eshtimoah, and to them which were in Rachel, and to them which were in the cities of the Jeremielites, and to them which were in the cities of the Kenites, and to them which were in Hormah, and to them which were in Korashan, and to them which were in Athak, and to them which were in Hebron, and to all the places where David himself and his men were wont to haunt. Chapter 31. Now the Philistines fought against Israel, and the men of Israel fled from before the Philistines, and fell down slain in Mount Goboa. And the Philistines followed hard upon Saul and upon his sons, and the Philistines slew Jonathan and Abinadab and Melchishua, Saul's sons. And the battle went sore against Saul, and the archers hit him, and he was sore wounded of the archers. Then said Saul unto his armor-bearer, Draw thy sword, and thrust me through therewith, lest these uncircumcised come and thrust me through and abused me. But his armor-bearer would not, for he was sore afraid. Therefore Saul took a sword and fell upon it. And when his armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he fell likewise upon his sword and died with him. So Saul died, and his three sons, and his armor-bearer, and all his men, that same day together. And when the men of Israel that were on the other side of the valley, and they that were on the other side of Jordan, saw that the men of Israel fled, and that Saul and his sons were dead, they forsook the cities and fled, and the Philistines came and dwelt in them. And it came to pass on the morrow, when the Philistines came to strip the slain, that they found Saul and his three sons fallen in Mount Gilboa. And they cut off his head, and stripped off his armor, and sent into the land of the Philistines round about, to publish it in the house of their idols, and among the people. And they put his armor in the house of Ashtaroth, and they fastened his body to the wall of Bethshan. And when the inhabitants of Jabesh-Gilead heard of that which the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men arose, and went all night, and took the the body of Saul and the bodies of his sons from the wall of Bethshan, and came to Jabesh and burnt them there. And they took their bones and buried them under a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days. In chapter 29, we see that David is rejected by the lords of the Philistines. Now, this was a compromising situation that David and his men were in. They were kind of sworn unto the the king of the Philistines, Achish, and that they would serve him. But if he was to fulfill that oath, he would have to go and fight against Israel, against his own brethren, against his former master Saul, his former king Saul. But the Lord delivered him out of this situation by turning the lords of the Philistines' hearts with them to loathe David and to not trust him and to send them away. So David in chapter 30 and his men, they go and they go to Ziklag and they found that it's been raided by the Amalekites, this evil warring nation that continuously plundered all of the cities and towns and nations around them, even taking their, their men and their women and their children to sell them as slaves and to take spoil of them. And so uh, David and his his men at first are so distressed that they just weep for a long time of the day. And they are thinking about stoning David for all this evil that has come upon them. But David encouraged himself in the Lord. And when all is turned around, when all seems to go against us, we can encourage ourselves in the Lord as well. David inquires of the Lord, and the Lord promises that if they go after them, they will deliver everything back into their hands. They will not lose anything. And so they do. 200 men stay by the brook Bezor to guard all of the stuff that they have 
have and make it a little bit lighter for the rest of them that have the energy to continue to go to continue to follow after them. They found an Egyptian in a field that was had fallen sick three days earlier while all of their stuff was being taken with them. And this Egyptian, as they uh, treat him and uh, nourish him and give him water and food to restore him back to health, he tells them that he will uh, deliver them, that he will lead them to these Amalekites if they will promise not to kill him and not to return him to his former master. So they do. They find all the Amalekites and they destroy all of them as they're in the middle of partying and possibly uh, getting drunk from some of their spoil from some of these cities or towns that they had raided. And they re recover everything that they had lost and more. And, and because these Amalekites had raided several different towns and cities and villages of which we see in verses uh, 27 through 31, David restores all these things, all these uh, cattle and sheep and uh, uh, stores and treasures and goods that they had stolen unto all these cities. Again, sends them, David sends them as gifts to these cities where they, he and his men had been uh, coming many times to hide from Saul and from uh, the men of Saul. And so he sends them as gifts, as rewards to them, remi reminding them and acknowledging that they have done him a great service and that he will remember that and reward them for what they have been doing for him as well. In chapter 31, we see that the Philistines now fight against Israel in the uh, valley of Jezreel in Mount Gilboa area, it says. And there they slay all three of the sons of Saul, Jonathan, Abinadab, and Melchishua. And then the archers hit Saul as well. Now this is the true story, and it will be important to remember this. This is the true account that Saul is hit by the archers, and he tells his armor bearer to fall upon him with the sword and to uh, slay him so that the Philistines will not kill him. The armor bearer is too afraid to slay the Lord's anointed, to slay his king, and so Saul falls upon his own sword. His armor bearer, seeing that there's no hope, falls upon his sword as well. The Philistines the next day find Saul's body, and they take all of his bones and his head, and they put them on the wall of Bethshan, it says. But the men of Jabesh did valiantly. They went all night and traveled through the night. They took down his body and came and burned the bodies of him and his sons and then buried their bones underneath a tree at Jabesh and fasted seven days for the death of their king as well. Which reminds us that mourning and grief over loved ones that we have lost or over our leaders or over people that we have lost in our lives is a right course of action. It is in the Bible to mourn for seven days and to grieve for seven days. And our, sometimes our time of mourning and grief may extend beyond that, uh, or it may be shorter than that based on how well or how much we had a connection with the person that we lose. But now we're going to turn to the book of Proverbs. We're going to read from chapter 15, verses 24 and 26. The way of life is above to the wise, that he may depart from hell beneath. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, but he will establish the border of the widow. The thoughts of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the words of the pure are pleasant words. And so the way of life is above to the wise. 
when you look up, when you look to God for the ways of life, for the ways that you make decisions, when you trust in him for all of his ways, all of the paths that he will lead us, he will make our way of life. He will make our way plain and simple that we can see it, that we may depart from hell beneath, especially in trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ for our Lord and Savior. The Lord sent the Messiah from above to make the way of life for us that we may be delivered from hell. The Lord will destroy the house of the proud, it says in verse 25. Those that are haughty and high and lifted up will be brought low, but he will establish the border of the widow. Those that are trusting only in pure on the Lord and praying unto him every single day and humble themselves and know their true state of mind and of a body upon this earth and pray unto the Lord, he will establish their border. He will protect them. He will defend them and he will avenge them if necessary. The thoughts of the wicked in verse 26 are an abomination to the Lord. Even the very thoughts that they think when they are evil thoughts, when they have evil uh, it planned out in their heart and that they scheme to do. Those are wicked and abomination, utterly hated by God. But the words of the pure, those that truly want to do good and truth and honesty and do justice and to love the Lord and to love others by the Lord's will, those words that they speak are pleasant words because they come out from that pure heart that the Lord loves. Now let's turn to the book of John. We're going to read from chapter 11, verse 55, through chapter 12, verse 19. And it says, And the Jews' Passover was nigh at hand, and many went out of the country up to Jerusalem before the Passover to purify themselves. Then sought they for Jesus, and spake among themselves as they stood in the temple, What think ye? that he will not come to the feast? Now both the chief priests and the Pharisees had given a commandment that if any man knew where he were, he should show it that they might take him. Chapter 12. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus was which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Then saith one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should be betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for three hundred pence and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare what was put therein. Then said Jesus, Let her alone, against the day of my burying hath she kept this. For the poor always ye have with you, but me ye have not always. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees, and went forth to meet him, and cried, Hosanna! Blessed be the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord! And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon, as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written 
of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause the people also met him, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The Pharisees, therefore, said among themselves, Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing? Behold, the world is gone after him. In verses 55, we see that the Passover is now coming nigh at hand, coming close to happen, and it's getting close to six days close to the Passover now, and that many of the Jews are coming to Jerusalem and to the temple and getting ready, and they're purifying themselves, making sure that they're clean and can partake of this Passover dinner and supper and of the sacrifices at the temple and this feast and ceremony. And they're asking, where is Jesus? Do you think he's going to come? And so in chapter 12, we see that Jesus is in Bethany at the house of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And Mary brings in a very costly bottle of ointment that would have been almost almost like a year's wages. It's 300 pence, uh, as one man says. And, and in comparison to the penny that some men had been paid for one day's labor, this could have been almost like a full year's wages. And they Mary anoints Jesus with this ointment, and then she takes her hair and wipes his feet, and the house is filled with the odor of this ointment. And some of them, Judas specifically, says, why was this not sold and given to the poor? And he said that not because he really cared about the poor, but because he just wanted the money. He held the bag. He carried the bag, and he was in charge of the money, and he wanted to steal and to keep that money for himself, not to honor and glorify the Lord before him. Jesus protects and defends her and her actions and says, let her alone. Against the day of my burying hath she kept this. She has kept this specifically for this purpose, and now it's accomplishing this purpose of glorifying the Lord and preparing him for his death, for his sacrifice that he is about to make for the entire world. Nobody else gets a chance to anoint him with this oil and with this precious substance, but Mary does because she believes in him, believes his words, and honors him. The poor, he also, Jesus says that you have always, and that's even true today, 2,000 years later, we still have the poor with us, and we always will, but me ye have not always, he says, and so explaining that he will soon depart from them. Now on the next day, the fifth day before the Passover, Jesus is now coming to Jerusalem. As he's coming this way, many people have resorted to him, have looked for him, have seen him now, and believe, especially because they've seen him raise Lazarus from the dead, and many that saw Lazarus risen from the dead are believing on him and proclaiming as witnesses that he did this, that he performed this miracle to raise people from the dead, even. And as he's coming into Jerusalem, they cut down palm branches, which is a sign of military victory, which is a sign of kings. And they cry out to him, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus is riding on a donkey, which was also the seat or the steed that kings of Israel used to ride upon. And when David had Solomon anointed as king and crowned as king of Israel, 
Solomon rode on David's specific donkey that nobody else rode on and to make sure that they knew that he truly was the king that was being crowned. And Jesus now is riding upon not some other king's donkey, he's riding on a donkey that nobody else has ridden on. This declares that he himself is making himself king, that God is making him king, no man else on earth. He's not crowned with any man's crown, he is crowned by the Lord God of heaven. As he's coming, they are properly worshiping him. The people are declaring what he has done with Lazarus, the miracles that he has done. Many are uh, believing on him, and they're crying out to him. And the Pharisees, they are talking amongst themselves. And instead of believing on him, instead of cheering and being happy, they are focusing on how everyone is being drawn away from us and drawn to him. The world has gone after him. Let's not be like them. Let's be true followers of Christ. Let's rejoice and glory in his glory and his honor and lifting his name up and showing others how they can uh, trust in him for their salvation and how he can meet all of their needs. We can never meet the needs of all people, but he can. So let's point people to him. Thank you for studying the word of God with me today. I hope it's been a blessing for you. And I will see you tomorrow for the next Walk With God podcast.